moving into a new section, verses 11 through 22. The unity of the body. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. If you would please follow with me in the reading of the Word of God. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by the so-called circumcision, which performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which was the law of commandments and contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in the one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. And he preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father, so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and our God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into the holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into the dwelling of God in the Spirit. Father, thank you for, for your patience, Father, for your mercy, Father, for your love, your faithfulness when we are faithless, and Father, for the redemption of our souls through the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then the power of his resurrection. Father, as we gather today to look at your word and Get a foundation to move on. Father, I pray. I pray that each hearer of this text will understand the urgency and yet the power of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, as I continue to look and dwell upon your word, I am overwhelmed on a regular basis at the majesty and the glory of you who spoke existence into being. Help my brothers and my sisters. To hear, help them to be overwhelmed and help them become passionate and confident in the written word of God. To you, my Lord, my Savior, in Christ's name, amen. This is a, an interesting text, and I am just going to get a framework for you today so that you know uh, what the great adventure in front of us is. I hear this a lot in my line of work, and it is the word that they throw around that we need unity. And how can we be unified? All right. I agree that is it a very important theme, the unity of the church, the unity of the body of Jesus Christ. But I also know this, that topic, that theme has been discussed for some time. I see today in the body of Christ, many people fighting against our divisions. I see many people who are fighting against the lack of unity. I can look back through history since Pentecost, when the church was birthed, that you have historical problems. We have theological problems. And of course, we have people who have their own viewpoint. We also have, I remember actually, it's kind of interesting, sitting down with Dr. Sproul 
and said, explain to me denominations. <laughs> I can't remember all the big words he used, but basically it was a man-made. If you want to see original denominations, I would point to the three that he showed. One was the Pharisees, one was the Sadducees, and the other was the Essenes. Okay? And when the church was birthed, guess what? We decided we'd try it too. All right? You also have to deal with cultures. You've got this supernatural entity in different cultures. You also have that wonderful thing that we all embrace. Tradition. And you also have individual opinions. Okay? And even to the point of, you're not going to believe this, I have preferences. One of the things that I rejoice in traveling to some of these countries that I have been blessed to is they don't have preferences. Most towns, um, not the big cities, but the towns have one church. And that's it. I mean, what I would say a true church, you usually have a Russian Orthodox something around, but true church is only one. All of these things, preferences and opinions and traditions and cultures and denominationalism, all of these fall in between us as individuals. There's people who show up here because it says Baptist. But I guarantee you that if you ask about 90% of Baptists, what does that mean? You're going to get some goofy answers. All right. And then I've had people leave that said, well, you're not Baptist. And I was like, why you say that? You didn't have an altar call. Well, if the text doesn't lend itself to it, I'm probably not going to try to beat it into submission. All of these, uh, because, I mean, just this group, think about the diversity that is here. And all of these things create disunity. I mean, I've had people say, well, you don't have enough young people. You don't have, you've got too many old people. You don't have any babies. You don't have this. And I'm sitting there going, what, what does that mean? Okay, you know, I was um, talking to a pastor here in town and, it's, I, I don't know all the details, but he runs about 250 to 300 people on Sunday or Saturdays. I don't know when. He said the average age in his congregation is 32 years old. I was like, so? He says, it's a mess. And I said, well, why is it a mess? He says, they're all infants. And he says, you, you can't do anything because nobody knows nothing. And I said, sounds like you got a problem. <laughs> you may, you may want to elongate your services. All right. So there, there's things that I listen to and it's, let's be realistic. Just turn on the news and tell me that there's unity in this country. All right. Well, guess what? We carry that into the church. I can tell you this with all of my heart. Disunity in the body of Christ is a heartache to God. It's not a new phenomenon. Because at any given moment, your opinion will override theology. All right? And I don't, you can have rock solid theology, but every once in a while, well, I believe, and as soon as I hear that, I'm like, well, that's good for you. That's good for you. All right? Because it doesn't really matter what you believe, it's what does this say. All right? And it's, I had a dear friend of mine years ago says, the problem is, is that too many people are trying to master scriptures instead of allowing the scriptures to master them.
right? Uh, one of the things that, you know, I, I, I try to do myself when I'm dealing with people is, are they teachable? Are, I mean, are they really teachable or are they just here going to tell me what, you know, what it is they, they think, their opinion? All right, because once you give that up, being teachable, you're in a very dangerous place. So, let me take you to one of my favorite texts in all of Scripture. Gospel of John, chapter 17. Gospel of John, chapter 17. That is the true Lord's Prayer. Because this is when the Lord prayed. <laughs> All right. He's getting ready to leave the upper room. He's instilled what you and I call the Lord's table. And he's going to go across over to the Mount of Olives and uh, be arrested and crucified. He goes through a great dissertation. They call it the upper room discourse, starts in chapter 13. And then at the conclusion of this, he's explaining to his disciples what is about to happen. And he explains to them why it's going to happen. Okay. But Jesus set a model for us that I've already shown you that the apostle Paul followed is that when I give you great theology, I get on my knees and pray that you get it. Okay. I mean, you can read it. But that don't mean you got it. All right. Again, it goes back to what my friend said. Instead of you mastering what the text says, let the text master you. All right. John's Gospel 17, verses 21 and following. Let me set it up for you. Verse 20 is the transition. All right. He's just prayed, just prayed for the men that are in the upper room, what you call the apostles. Okay. The disciples of Christ. He's prayed for them. Then look in verse 20. He says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. You know what he just said there? He's praying for us. He's praying for us. Here's what he prays that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and that they will also be in us. All right? He wants the body to be the oneness of the Godhead. As you have the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, and God the Father, they are one. All right? He wants the church... To look just like that. But then he even tells you why. So that the world may believe that you sent me. You know one of the biggest tragedies that is killing the church today? We don't look united. Now listen, there's some I don't want to be. Okay? But we don't look united. So if we don't look united and yet we profess to be the body of Christ, what does the world think? Well, you guys are idiots. All right? And I, I, please, I don't want you to get it wrong. There are people out there I don't want to be hooked up on on Judgment Day. Absolutely. But I also know that there are some people out there who are going to be in heaven... But right now, they are, to use a good biblical term, they're ignorant. They don't know what it says. You can't be a Baptist church because you didn't have an altar call. Alright. Was that in the second book of Acts? Where was that? I, I don't understand some of this. And it becomes this massive thing. I mean, Baptist Church got the foundation. Why? Because you had to be baptized. Okay? And that became what? You've got to do this. You know what? You don't have to do it. But when he starts messing with your pride, baptism is easy. 
Okay, it's just an act of obedience. And I, I you know, I look at, I'm, I remember when I got baptized, I was baptized with this other guy. <laughs> now, I didn't know nothing. I, the only verse I'd ever read was the 23rd Psalm, and it was on the back of the obituary for my dad. That's what I knew about the Bible. Okay? But I knew I needed to be baptized. And so I was released, and I got to this church, and I says, I got to be baptized. Well, when? Right now. Why? I don't know if he's going to give me another minute. <laughs> Let me get this thing done. So he had a baptism service on a Wednesday. <laughs> and uh, I, I was getting standing there with this other guy. And the guy's telling me his name. And I don't even remember what his name was. And he's all excited and all the rest of it. He says, this is my fourth time. I was like, what? <laughs> what are you going to do this thing weekly? Well, how how's this work? Okay. Well, I just want to make sure. <laughs> I'm old enough to know now. Well, hold him under and he'll know for sure. <laughs> but see, that's what people get it in their mind that this is. And that's why the Puritans, okay, did not like Baptist. You know why? They pushed baptism. And they, to a Puritan, that was works. Okay? But yet the Puritans baptized. Alright? So, see, these are things that you see in the body of Christ that you're trying to figure out, really? Okay? Because, have you ever, you're not going to believe this. Did you know that there's people in the church who are carnal? That are acting in the power of their flesh. I know that shocks you. Okay. And did you know that any given instant. That thing you call your earthen vessel. Can stand up and overwhelm. Your understanding of scripture. And it takes any time. Any time. You guys know what I do for a living. There's times that I look out my window and see somebody coming up to my door that I don't want to see. Okay? And my flesh says, go downstairs and act like you're not here. <laughs> That's godly, huh? <laughs> I Listen, there's times... When I'm at, I just had a bad week. There's times I wanted to park my truck way down there by the pool and walk up so nobody would know I was here. That's not really what we've been called to. Okay? We are one. We are one. That the world may know God sent Jesus. That's how the world knows. Now listen, there's another thing that I am absolutely confident and positive about. Alright? I know for a fact, Jesus' prayers are always answered. Alright? He always prays according to the will of the Father. How can they not be answered? Alright? I believe that this prayer in John 17... Was answered. I see. When I was in Baku. You get to talk to every pastor in the country. Okay. And you're like wow. Now don't. It's 21. But they're training some more. Alright. In that group. You've got Pentecostal. You've got Presbyterian. You've got Baptist. And then, of course, you, everybody has to have their independent. Okay. I, I like independent fundamentalists. They don't like denominations, so they started their own. Okay. Well, I'll start my own there. I ain't getting in no denomination. I'll be independent. And I'll join the independent churches of America. You know, come on, people. All right. But they're all there because, you know what? They're outnumbered. It's Muslim and Stalinistic. They depend on each other. My first trip there, a guy came in and kept talking with his mouth kind of like this. And I couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. What's, what is that? Were you born that way or something? He said, no. The secret service, they call them the KGB, came into his church Sunday 
This was on a Monday morning the class started and broke his jaw. And so all the pastors, he came to the class. He wanted to be in the class. I was teaching on the Holy Spirit and he wanted to be in the class. But the, the, the pastors that were there all took up an offering so that they could go get a doctor to fix his jaw. All of the pastors. Okay. Now, when that starts happening, you're forced to be one. Okay. Listen, right now, I think my last count is, is there's 56 evangelical churches in Castle Rock. I can go to a different church every Sunday for a year and still have two spares. Okay. But what is my accountability? I believe this was answered. And it was a prayer for the unity of the body. And you know what I have found in my travels? Whether it's some places here in the United States or whether it's overseas, that has been answered. That prayer has been answered. Because there are people who exalt the word of God that may have a different background altogether. And when you go in and you're exalting the word of God, as I exalt the word of God, and you guys exalt the word of God, guess what? You're one. Now, I don't have all the answers. This book does. All right? And you know what? There's things in this book that I still scratch my head and go, I don't know what that is. Okay? But if I need to use it, he's going to bring it to my attention and empower it through the spirit of the living God. He's never let me down. I remember walking from a college. I was doing a question and answer at a college in the south side of Orel. And we, I had all these college kids wanted to ask me questions. All right. So we start walking back to where I was staying, which is on the other side. It would be like if you were in Fountain, decided you wanted to walk up to the Air Force Academy. Okay, that's about the same distance. And so I'm walking with all these college kids and they said, well, we don't understand this. So all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, I took off in the book of Genesis and went through every book of the Bible and explained to them who Jesus was in each of those texts. And I, I don't know how I did it. Okay, and they all just sit there and go, wow, okay, that's all right. And I'm just sitting there going, because when I got back to my room, I was sitting there going, I wonder who that guy was. And I didn't even know I knew all the books of the Old Testament, but evidently I did. Okay, and and so you're walking, and you got these kids asking questions, and you're just going boom, 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 boom through it. I don't know how I did that, but I know the author indwells me, and that's all I really need. We are one in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. He that is joined to the Lord is one in spirit. Period. It's non-negotiable. Now, you may stick your flesh up, and we'll all know it. And we'll say, huh, had too much quiet time this morning, did you? All of us are joined to the Lord. Listen, if you're saved today, then remember what that word that Paul freaked out over? You are in Christ. You are in him, right? Got it? Do you understand that every Christian is in Christ? Do you know what that makes you? You are one with Christ. Which makes you one with every Christian. Whether you know the language or not. I remember talking to Dr. Olford before his death. And he said, you know, I have preached on every continent on this globe except for Antarctica. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. He says, and you know what? I never changed the message. It's always out of this book because it cuts through every cultural barrier. It cuts through every division that is existent to man. This stands. Okay? So all of us who are joined to the Lord are one with each other. Okay? Positionally. All right? Practically... It has its problems. 
To quote William Shakespeare, quote, there lies the rub, unquote. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and following. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, we were made to drink of one spirit. Alright? That oneness is what Christ is. That's how He is. And now that you are in Christ, you are one. The body is one. The church is one. The body has one common principle of life. One thing that comes through itself. And that's the person of Christ. That's it. It ain't complicated. It ain't based on contemporary or traditional. It isn't on loud music, quiet music. That isn't it. None of that's it. It isn't based on, I need a church with young people in it. I need a church with old people in it. I need a church with babies in it. I need a, It ain't it. That ain't it. So in the church, there's one common point, and that is the Holy Spirit who indwells all in the church. Now listen, I understand that the wheat and the tares will be sown together, okay? But you know what? The wheat and the tares, they look alike, but every once in a while a tear will raise up its head and you can tell it. That's, I know what that is. All right? But you can get a Christian who wakes up on the wrong side of the bed and all of a sudden, now all of a sudden he's got a attitude or she's got an attitude and she comes in and you can look at that and say man that looks just like a tear that's why we're not supposed to remove them even though there's times you want to okay see that sign there exit (laughs) bye (laughs) I know none of you have ever thought that but that's all right. you'll grow out of it okay The Holy Spirit indwells every believer. The Spirit of God puts the life of God into the soul of man. That unites him with every other person who is in Christ. Regardless. It's funny because in Baku, Azerbaijan, it was... uh, all right, it's 98% Muslim. So you're, it's very, 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 and another few more varies, conservative. Okay? The only place you can get alcohol in Baku is if you fly to Moscow and then fly it back in. And then there's a couple of places around an American university that you can get alcohol. Other than that, you can't get alcohol. There's no alcohol there. And yet... On Sunday morning for the Lord's table, guess what they serve? Wine. Where'd you get that? Down at the American University. (laughs) Why didn't I know that? Okay. But they are absolutely against it. Okay. But then you go over to Georgia. Their number one export is what? Wine. And they drink wine with everything. I mean, you get up in the morning and they'll have scrambled eggs and this funny looking bread thing and a glass of wine. I thought it was grape juice. I was like, ain't got any glass of grape juice. I went, wow, where'd you get that at? <laughs> I, I, I made that myself. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> and it's cause it was funny when I was leaving Baku, they, they said, but what do you want to give me? The only thing we got here, we can give you a barrel of oil. And they got oil. I was like, well, I don't. I think I can get through that through custom. He said, don't worry about it. When you get to Georgia, they'll give you a bottle of wine. And I was like, okay. But see, the, the thing is, is that that gospel that I was preaching goes through either one of those. It doesn't matter. We are one body in Christ. And we are one with every person who is in Christ. 
And it draws us to the one body. That understand, Christ is the head. I don't care what church you're in. Well, put it this way. If you're in a church that Christ ain't the head, leave. (laughs) Okay? But if you're in a church that is in Christ, the body of Christ, Christ is the head, and everybody in there knows it. All right? We were looking at the back to Ephesians. In chapter 1, we see God's eternal planning of the body. He did it before He made creation. How in eternity past, God put His plan together. This is what we're going to do. In chapter 2, how God makes it happen in time. We have a master plan in chapter 1. He makes it happen in chapter 2. Chapter 3, guess what? He prays that we get it. We just finished the first 10 verses of chapter 2. On how do you get in the body? Okay, walking into a church building does not make you a Christian. All right? How do we enter it? Well, it's easy. Salvation. Salvation. Paul shows us that in the past life, when we were sinners, we were children of wrath. We were alienated. We were separated. How do we come into the life of the body? It's through Christ Jesus. You believe. By grace, you have been saved through faith, not of your works. We saw how God loves us. We saw how God raised us from the dead. We are spiritually alive to Him. We are God's masterpiece created unto good works. That he's already got figured out. We just got to figure out where they are. That's salvation. That's how you enter into the body. Okay? Now, in verse 11. We are going to start seeing who we are in the body. Alright? And he takes on the single greatest conflict... That has possibly ever existed. And it still goes on. Jew and Gentile. I told you guys, uh, I, I, I flew out of, I went Denver to JFK and JFK to Moscow. And I, <laughs> I started looking around. I was in the, the, the terminal at JFK. I started looking around and there was all of these soldiers. Okay. And they're all carrying carbines. And I'm sitting there going, I still thought I was in the United States. What the heck is going on here? Okay. But I mean, there was, there was a bunch of them. I mean, there was probably a dozen or two dozen. And they all had, you know, high positions and all the rest. And I'm sitting there going, man, what? you know, <laughs> am I on the wrong line here? What are, what are we doing here? My passport's blue. Mine's blue. See that blue? <laughs> I speak American. <laughs> okay. And so I came around to get in line to where I was going to go and I looked. And it looked like the Exodus. I mean, there was probably 150 Jews waiting to get on the same airplane I was. And I'm like, well, I thought you guys tried to get out of Russia. And, you know, so I, I stand in line. I'm just standing there in my Gentile uniform. I asked the guy, is there like a holiday, a festival? Or something. And he looked at me and says, none of your business. Wow. Well, you're a Gentile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what? You make me mad, I'm going to touch you on Saturday. And then you're defiled. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> there was a bunch of armed soldiers on that rail. Huh? I ain't starting that. But that's what they were doing. They were protecting these Jews. And I, I never did get an answer. 
I mean, I had a, what, almost a 20 hour flight over. And you got a plane packed with these guys with the curls and, and they're praying. They'll get up at different times and they'll start praying over in the corner. They got the prayer shawls on and all this other stuff. And, you know, I tried to talk to a couple of them different times and you, you'd have thought I was Lucifer. And I was just like, man, you got, what a bunch of grouches. Okay. That hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. And I'll lay a foundation for this next week. But I want you to understand when the Apostle Paul says it is Jew and the Gentile together, that is a miracle of miracles. You've got to understand something, brothers and sisters. The church was born through who? Jews. So, I, you know, I don't hold any animosity to them, but... Boy, you guys should try to take some Valium or something. I mean, you I don't know. You guys are grouchy. One body draws together diverse peoples, even to the point of drawing together Jew and Gentile. We have a common eternal life. It is common in the person of Jesus Christ. In Christ means we become one with each other. The power and the greatness of the power of God can bring Jew and Gentile together. We are one in Christ. Do you understand that? There are no longer any distinctions. They're all gone. We are all together, all the same. We are all equal. I don't have more Holy Spirit than you do. People don't understand that. And, it, you know, it's inevitably, God will make something really good and man fixes it. And so we like our diversions. I've shared with you before, we had a Jewish couple that had attended here a number of years ago. And uh, sweet people, good, solid theology. But you know what they told me? We need to find a Messianic congregation. And I was like, well, what is this? Galatians chapter 2, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. Got that? There is a union that takes place. Listen, you may not like to be associated with some of the Christians that are around. But understand this. They are all children of God. Okay? God loves all of His children and He loves them all equally. You cannot... You are... There is no one... Who is preferred by God. Now, even if you prefer yourself, doesn't mean that He prefers you over someone else. We are one in Christ. Listen, all of the distinctions are gone. Okay? Listen, you, maybe you're Jewish. I don't know. Maybe, I don't care. You know, cause I hear people saying, well, do you have any black people in your church? Well, what does that got to do with the price of rice in China? Well, do you have any of these? You're making distinctions. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. When God looks at us, He sees one. And we are all clothed in the same Christ righteousness. Alright? Let me... Deal with that point a little bit more. Because I know you didn't get it yet. And I didn't. I was just kidding you. Romans chapter 10. Verse 12. Romans 10 verse 12. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all. Abounding in riches for all who call on Him. 
Verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why? Why do we want to bring this, things to separate? I don't understand that. It, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, I see people say, well, we're a Bible church. Well, what other kind are there? I, that, that doesn't make sense to me. See, in Ephesians 2, what you're going to look at in the months to come is that that is all torn down. Those barriers, those walls, those distinctions are vanquished. And yet it seems like man is bound and determined to rebuild them. And I, that, that, is, that is crazy to me. Acts chapter 15. It's called the Jerusalem Council. Okay, Barnabas and Paul show up in Jerusalem. I can't say it really went that well, but it did. I mean, they, they, they finally got through. And the reason was that they were trying to get the Gentiles to go through the Jewish rituals. All right. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. All right. And when Paul and Barnabas, with great dissension and debate with them, I bet that was fun. What do you think? All right. Determined that Paul and Barnabas and some of the others would go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders concerning this issue. So they took off and they went to the first Baptist church of Jerusalem. I don't know if it was Baptist, but the first church. All right. And they're going to get the guys who hung out with him. What do you guys think? All right. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through Phoenicia, Samaria, describing the detail of the conversion of Gentiles and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. When they arrived in Jerusalem and were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. What happened? Did you hear what that just said? Some of the Pharisees had become Christians. And yet their religious upbringing said that you have to continue this. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, saying, The Holy Spirit, see, just as he did also to us, and made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. So, I want you to understand something. Disunity in the church is not new. Listen, we each need each other. That is so difficult for us. And I, you know what? I'm guilty of it too. But we need each other. And yet we try to get by without being needy. And yet God placed us here together. God has already finished unity and he has already planned it. We have a common life. And that life is in the Holy Spirit. We have the unity. It is there now. The time that there is no, the unity is broken is when my flesh decides it's smarter than the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It breaks the unity every time. We have unity. Yet, it's a problem in the church. It always has been. 
I'll take you back a few years ago. You'll remember it well, I'm sure. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I exhort you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no division among you, but you would make complete in the same mind and the same judgment. I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? All right. Listen, when the flesh raises up, okay, there's always three things you can tell that it's flesh. Always. One, it causes division. Two, it causes strife. Three, it causes envy. Anytime you find yourself stepping into those three, any of them, Know what's going on. Alright? The real problem in, in Corinth is the same problem that you and I have to deal with today. Alright? And it, you know, I, I wish everybody would just surrender. Surrender to the Spirit of God and we'll all be one. But every once in a while, listen, think about how spiritual you are if you got a cold. Think how spiritual you are if you're tired. You've been working too hard. You've been through a whole bunch of stuff. How spiritual are you? I'm so spiritual that I hide from people in my office. No. <laughs> right? The problem that was in Corinth was the flesh. It was carnal. He said, I would like to talk to you as men, but you're in the flesh. All right, so Paul's going to show us in the weeks to come that the greatest problem that the early church had was Jew and Gentile. You see that in the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. All right, you see it. Uh, some of these guys who had been Pharisees, raised in the rituals and the sacraments and the law of commandments and all that stuff, they were saying, no, you got to go do this. All right. I want to show you something, because I want you to hold on to this until next Sunday. Okay, same letter, 1 Corinthians, chapter 10. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers, okay, now who's he talking about? The Jews were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they ate of the same spiritual food. And they drank of the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them. The rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased. For they were laid low in the wilderness. Now these happened... Now hear what he says. These happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they craved. Uh, do not be idolaters. Uh, some of them were. People sat down to eat, drink, and stood up to play. Nor let the act of immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things, verse 11, Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction. Who's he talking to? A Gentile church in Corinth that was a mess. Upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Then I want you to hear this. Verse 12. Therefore, what I just gave you. Let me summarize it. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. Listen, brothers and sisters. We're going to look in the next 
next Sunday at the History of Israel. And then I'm going to hold a mirror up and show you the body of Christ. Because we don't heed that warning. We act just like Israel. We do. All right? And I'll show you why. I'll show you why next week. All right? And you know what, Castle Rock Baptist Church? You need to pay special attention. I really mean that. Okay? Because it's easy to get comfortable and, well, we're under good Bible teaching. I read my Bible. I pray and all the rest of it. And you know what you sound like? A Pharisee. A Pharisee. And all of a sudden, you don't want to touch people because, ooh. I mean, be real careful. Because that don't get said twice. They were given as an example to us. Unless Paul says, have I got your attention yet? Have Have I got your attention yet? Or you can do it the way I say, don't make him come down here. (laughs) All right? We'll look at this next week. Father, we come before you to understand uh, the flesh is powerful. We had no ability to overcome it without divine intervention. And Father, I just pray for every one of us here that we understand that our our flesh is is an enemy. Uh, Our flesh causes divisions. Our flesh causes strife and envy. And Father, even as the Apostle Paul warned his precious saints at Corinth, they were a mess. They were an absolute mess. And yet, Father, they were still your church. And Lord, I pray. I pray for everybody here, everybody who hears this, that they understand that we are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. Help us, Father. Help us to know this. Help us to rest in it. Help us to decrease that you may increase. Father, we love you. I thank you for your word. In Christ's name, amen.